Take It From Us, a podcast with three guys who are four, four or five years removed from college. The real world can be pretty tough. Sometimes you got to go out and find a job. Sometimes you got to pay a mortgage. Sometimes you got to just do a lot of things that you have no clue what you're doing. You know what helps that, though? Being really good at football and getting drafted in the NFL. Today, we're going to talk about some guys who signed their rookie contracts and are looking to be big contributors in fantasy football this season. Scott, did you leave the window open? Because I feel a draft. Let's run up the score. You're listening to Run Up the Score, a fantasy football podcast. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to Run Up the Score. My name is Donna Wagonblast. Joining me, as always, is my brother, Scott. Yo! And our good friend, Tom Hillier. Hey, everybody. And like I said in the cold open, we are talking about the NFL draft today. We are talking about the guys who we think might have some impact, whether it be immediate or down the road in a dynasty format. Um... On today's show, there's uh, a lot of news going around the NFL. Uh, training camps for a few teams have opened. By the time we see you next week, uh, pretty much everybody's going to be back at camp. So mm-hmm. we just wanted to let everybody know up front, we're going to be talking about news and notes in the league starting next week. There's really not enough to do a whole show about it. So we feel like there's going to be plenty to talk about uh, in terms of what's going on with all these teams in the league next week. But for right now, let's stick to the draft. Uh, Tom, what was your overall impression of this year's NFL draft? I had a lot of fun watching it. There's always those unexpected picks. And a lot of people love to, you know, throw dirt on it. Like, oh, what are you doing watching the draft? It's so early. You know these guys in the third round? Um, Yeah, I do, actually. So I I did enjoy it. And, um, you know, I was on a little bit of a a work-related trip. So, you know, alone in my hotel room. Okay. Nothing but the uh, NFL draft to keep me warm at night. Nothing but the guys you've relied on to bring your entertainment for years. And uh, the draft is cool, obviously, because it's such a time of, of great optimism. You know, every pick is the savior for that team. And, you know, every pick is that, that missing piece to the fans that it's going to bring their team to the Super Bowl. Obviously, the, the organization thinks of it as a, as a piece that they want to use to build their team the best they can. Hopefully, we can give you some insight so you can build your fantasy teams based off these rookies the best way that you can. I just have this image in my head of, Tom on the phone with his mom while he's away and be like, are you lonely, Thomas? And he's like, no, Roger Goodell's keeping me company. <laughs> I'm hanging with Raj. Yeah, it was funny. Um, This year was like the first NFL draft that the three of us knew that the podcast was going to be starting. So I went to like my first round draft party. Me and my buddies from college all get together and we'd watch the first round. And I had a notebook and I was like jotting down like fantasy notes on every single pick. And like even the defenders, I would just write no fantasy impact and go to the next guy. Um, So we're going to be talking about first round, second round, third round, and some other guys uh, that were drafted in the deeper rounds that we want to talk about. Uh, Tom, you looked like you had something that you I was going to say, we may mention a defensive player today who is going to have an impact. Yeah, may at least. Yeah. Uh, But we're not talking about... Suck it, Don. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) So we're not talking about Miles Garrett, the number one overall pick, although I do think that that will increase the the Browns' sack numbers. Uh, Not to the point where I'm like, you have to get the Browns' defense in the 13th round before anybody else thinks about drafting the defense. Uh... We are going to go to the number two overall pick, though, because the Bears were in a bidding war with themselves to trade up one spot 
to take Mitch Trubisky who at number two, going to get picked by the 49ers who traded the Bears the pick. Uh, not a not a great pick to instill confidence in the Bears fan base. Certainly not a great pick to instill confidence in the free agent signing that we mentioned last week in Mike Glennon. Um, Very briefly. <laughs> and I, I think that I, that was kind of why. I was like, well, Turbisky got signed and, you know, they're going to turn to him. They I just in, don't know when. They invited him, him being Mike Glennon, to the draft. They were like, yeah. "You're our guy. Like, come into the owner's box. Let's let's have a good time. Watch the watch the team unfold." And what do they do? But seal his fate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wow. Yeah, that's got a sting. And for Trubisky, I don't think he comes in right away. Everyone thinks he's he's pretty unpolished. And um, Glennon's contract wasn't one that's like a. It's very uh, Osweilery, where there's a lot of bailouts in it for the team. So I think that obviously they were trying to show some confidence in Glennon while the whole time having their eye toward Trubisky. Um, looking forward to either of their fantasy value. I think you guys both think it's pretty non-existent like I do. In a two-quarterback league, and I'm in one, I'm ignoring both of them. I want no shares of either player. I agree. I mean, we didn't spend any time talking about Mike Glennon in the last episode, and I don't think we should spend too much time on Trubisky today. Yeah, no. I've said I, all I need to say. Yeah. Good luck, Mitch. Everyone yeah, in Chicago who's now not miserable about the Cubs and is now miserable about the Bears is counting on you. No pressure. Um, there's really no pressure on the number four overall pick, Leonard Fournette, because he can only bring an improvement to the Jaguars' run game. It wasn't a sexy running game, but as, Tom, you've mentioned before, they had a top ten rushing attack between TJ Yeldon and Chris Ivory. It's a great on the football field product, but it's not a great fantasy product because as fantasy owners, we never knew whether to start Yeldon or Ivory. And now it kind of seems like we can draft Leonard Fournette and roll him out there. The only problem is Leonard Fournette is going in the second or third round in mock drafts right now. And that's a little too high for me. Yeah, he's going very early. Um, some some sites actually have him in the top 20 players, which you know, is a little risky for a running back, especially with shown and proven injury history like he's had. But a top 10 rushing offense getting an absolute beast is, you know, you got to get excited about that. I understand the hype around him. I'm just not as far in on it as everyone else. Yeah, it's almost, I feel like a responsibility to remind people that there isn't just a rookie that goes in the first round every year like Zeke and lights the world on fire. Right. There's, For every Zeke, there's a Melvin Gordon. But, yeah, exactly, of his rookie right. campaign, which we should mention was, was bad. Yeah, it was pretty disastrous. But then again, on the other side of the coin, there are rookie impact players at the running back position almost more than any other position. Ezekiel Elliott, Adrian Peterson. Like, there are there are two sides to this coin. For every, you know, for every Ezekiel Elliott, there is a Melvin Gordon. For every Adrian Peterson, there is a Trent Richardson. And there's right. so many that we won't even yeah. remember. Right. Those were the only four that I had. So I'm lucky that I didn't need another example. <laughs> right. And most of them come on the opposite end on the end where, you know, they might struggle early on. I personally don't think that Fournette will be that. I think he's just a great specimen and such a physical runner that if they really are a top 10 rush offense like we thought they were last year, they're supposed to have even more of a focus on the run game this year and the inclusion of Fournette. Sound, you know, it all sounds great until the Jags go down 28 nothing in the second quarter against a good team. 
And like we've mentioned before, game script really has a large effect on running backs. If they are down early and often, we might see more TJ Yeldon than Leonard Fournette. And that's a guy that we're not even talking about. I who's, mean, who's proven to have actually double-digit catches in games and has been a proven receiving back as well as you know, maybe a decent runner. He's not a great runner of the football, but out of the backfield, he's one of the better receiving backs in the league. He is. Uh, moving on now to the number five pick, so we're not going very far. If we go from four to five, Tennessee Titans trade up to get Corey Davis. Scott, you and I loved the move. Yeah. Until, until they signed Eric Decker. Right. Um, it looked like Corey Davis was in for a feasting. A feast alongside Rashard Matthews. He's a big bodied guy. Listen, I still think he can be a bye week fill-in by the end of the season. It's going to be tough, especially as a rookie, especially with two proven guys alongside him and a proven tight end on a run first team. So the pieces are are the and chips a are proven kinda... pass catching running back. Right. There's there's really a lot of there, rhetoric the... going against Corey Davis right now, which is unfortunate because you guys know I was really excited about him at the beginning of the year. They go and get Decker and, you know, it obviously is going to hurt Corey Davis's production this year, but you know he gets to learn from Decker, and then when Decker leaves, maybe maybe next year is when Corey Davis kind of steps into the front, which is more of what I see. I still think that he'll be productive because Rashard Matthews is really more of a slot guy, which pushes Corey Davis to the outside, probably to be mostly ignored with Matthews and Decker and Walker kind of leading the charge. But I see some some action, some. Um, some Kendall Wright type action from uh, him, which spotty games, but could be some really good big games. Definitely a guy to keep on your radar in Dynasty. Yeah, if you're just absolutely. doing those rookie only drafts, um, this is a guy who can pay off down the road big time. Yeah, we go now to another receiver, and this pick was maybe not an overreach. A lot of people probably thought the Titans reached for Corey Davis. I think Mike Williams landed in the pick range that people thought he was going to land in, but I don't think they thought he was going to land with the Chargers, who had a a stable of pass catchers ready to r- trot out there. Um, and now he gets added to Keenan Allen, Tyrell Williams, Dontrell Inman, Travis Benjamin, Hunter Henry, Antonio Gates, and Melvin Gordon out of the backfield. And, you know, he's great. He's proven that he was a great receiver in college, but is he going to get the opportunities just like Corey Davis? Is he going to get the opportunities... And oh wait, he might need back surgery and might miss the entire season, thus negating this entire conversation. No, he's good. (laughs) Oh, he's good? (laughs) He's been quoted as good. Oh, great. (laughs) Very, very descriptive, very specific, so we could definitely count on that as 100% fact. But the real fact of the matter is there's not enough footballs for the Chargers for Mike Williams to be incredibly effective, I don't think, and especially putting himself this far behind the eight ball. Um, he's going to miss too much time. We Tom loves to harp on it. We all do. Those reps in practice, those reps in training camp, we're all about them. And and Rivers has like a young kind of core that he's already building too. Like he's already had a full year of Tyrell Williams. It's been patchy and it's been beat up with Keenan Allen, but he's had camps and he's had a lot of season reps. So with Mike Williams, you know, it's just it's going to be tough for him to to really get his fair share of food, right, Tom? Another Tyrell Williams year before it becomes a Mike Williams year. Tyrell Williams is going in the 12th round on Yahoo drafts. And very late in ESPN as well. I mean, if you're drafting what I would call early, like maybe in the next couple weeks, 
drafting Tyrell Williams is a huge move that can boost you right now. It's because, a potentially league-winning move. Yeah, because if Mike Williams is going to be sidelined and that news becomes official, you'll see Tyrell Williams' draft stock skyrocket. Yeah. So if you can act now, I mean, huge move. Yeah, it's there's so much adding up to the fact that Mike Williams just will not be a factor this year. And just something I found out because I wanted to get the actual quote and they literally said Keaton Allen looks good in camp. So him and Mike Williams are being described using the same word. We'll see. Keenan Allen is only 25 years old. I know. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I like know. He's still got a year. To, he, like even if he even if he doesn't he get still all the way back contract. this year, just think about like if his body just keeps repairing itself and getting stronger and stronger, he's going to he can really be a monster. Yeah, if but- he can just Get healthy and stay healthy. The trend is the opposite right I now. Know. I mean, let's let's not let's not go too far into Keenan Allen. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on. Ugh, fine. All right. Next up, the next running back, Christian McCaffrey, goes to the Panthers, and it's not very often that a rookie gets drafted and completely changes the way that we perceive what his team's offense is going to look like. But we were just looking back at Christian McCaffrey's college stats, and if there was one guy who was going to change. You know the offensive strategy of a team in this draft, it would be him. It was because this guy is a game wrecker. Everyone was so surprised when the Panthers took him. I feel like I especially was very surprised. But now, how you see that how the tides and culture is turning and their offense, it's starting to make more and more sense. And uh, I know Tom's got some great stats. So Tom, how would you hit him with us? Hit us with him. Yeah, if you listen to the running back rankings episode, I kind of poo pooed Christian McCaffrey a little bit just because I don't know how the marriage of what they said earlier has gotten done. If the team's strategy uh, matches up with his unique skill set, right? But I'm going to read some numbers that if you have this unique skill set, I don't see nothing can stop you. Okay, so this is his 2015 campaign. When he should have won the Heisman Trophy. At Stanford. He had 337 rushing attempts, which if – you take that stat by itself is a durability. It's like guy shows he can carry the low tackles. And that's what people are worried about. And everybody right always compliments Stanford's offense as a pro style offense. And by the way, he had 2019 rushing yards with eight touchdowns in that season. He had more rushing yards than years since the birth of Christ. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a coincidence that his name's Christian. He narrowly beat him, though. He's got another year. <laughs> Receiving in that very same year, 45 receptions, 645 yards. So we're almost at the 3,000 mark Didn't, already. Pretty good catch number. The yardage is astounding because he averaged 15 yards a catch. And he had 15 punt returns for 130 yards. And this is my favorite one. 37 kick returns for 1,070 yards. 30 yards wow. of kick return. Yeah, you just told us the, the yardage and not the amount of returns. So I figured, you know, it's college. They put up 40. Sometimes maybe he had, you know, 50, 60 returns. But only, what was it? 30, <laughs> 39 or something? 32? He had uh, 37 kick returns. 37 returns for 1,000 yards. We're a pro Christian McCaffrey podcast. And he took two of those out. kicks to the house. So that's a 15 touchdown season. Doing right it there. all sorts of ways. And that's not even his senior campaign, which was also very good. One more one more great stat about him. Um, 
He fumbled one out of every 243 touches in his college career. So Is that a lot? That's very, very little. <laughs> Dalvin Cook fumbled almost every 60 touches. Oh. Yes. So right. it's just all the stats and all the numbers are kind of justifying what you see on the field. And when that happens, the guy that is producing that is typically pretty good and stays good for a long time. Yeah, this is this is a guy that you should be targeting in your standard leagues, your redraft leagues, and in your dynasty leagues especially because this is a guy who literally changed the way that the Panthers are going to play offense this year. They want a game plan through him. They're going to there's talks that they're going to use him as a slot receiver in three to four wide receiver packages. Like this is a guy who they want to funnel the ball to. So why would you not want that on your team? His asking price right now is right around four nets, though, so it is still pretty high. So there is a little cause for caution, but not in Dynasty League. Dynasty League, I'm getting him at all costs. For me, I'm still – it's not that I'm not sold on him. It's just, you know, the whole the whole speech we had before. You know, he's a rookie, right. and this isn't the first time in a new offense. The offense isn't really meant for him. So – it, the asking price is still pretty yeah. high. I truthfully looked these stats up to find um, negatives against him. Right. Yeah. And only came back with positives. I, can't, I found one negative that I'll get to later. But, but whoopsies. I mean, one, the obviously the biggest drawback for McCaffrey is I think that he'll do a fine job accumulating yards throughout the year. If you're a half PPR, even if you're – especially if you're a full PPR, I think he's a great pick. But, you know, it's just tough – figuring out who's going to score on the Panthers goal line. Um, That's a big especially one. with Cam Newton playing running back, who know like kind of a running back on the goal line. Who knows if he's actually going to run more this year? I, I don't think that he will, but um, they still have Tolbert and Jonathan Stewart too. So they have big bodied backs to run on the goal line, which McCaffrey, you know, might be, it might be tough for him to break that mold, but you know, like we rant and rave about Danny Woodhead, sometimes those smaller backs actually are pretty effective on the red zone. Just something to look out for that could really boost his value. The Panthers did lose Tolbert, just to clarify. Oh, they did. He's he's, he's on the Bills. Okay, um, but let's move on now from a guy who's being, I think, severely overdrafted to a guy who's not being drafted at all. Have you guys been in any mock drafts where John Ross was drafted? I haven't been in one. Definitely, yet. actually. Uh, maybe you're just not uh... mocking deep enough. I'm not sure because I do a lot of twelve man mocks. Oh, okay, so... yeah. I've only done ten so far. Okay, uh, and I haven't seen him go. Once. Well, right now he's dealing with a little bit of an injury too, which is going to tank his draft stock a little bit. Yeah. But definitely, right after the draft, there was that John Ross buzz. You know, and the lead up to it. Yeah. Really. yeah. Well, yeah. After the forty and all that yeah, stuff. You absolutely. Know, he was going crazy, but. I only say after the draft because he was impossible to mock for if right. he wasn't on a team. Right. right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. That's the only way he had any in. <laughs> yeah, but, but I think his 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 home in uh, Cincinnati is pretty well suited for him. They've got different kind of weapons. You know, the big guy in Tyler Eifert, the uh, the freak in AJ Green, and he kind of can come in and probably take over that Mohamed Sanu role. You know that. The big play threat. The big play threat. I yeah. see I see LaFell kind of fitting that role and him kind of being like more of a slot, like a deeper kind of playing more of a ten gin type of role in their offense early on because I just don't know about the sureness of his hands and are of course already he's he might he might start the year on the PUP, which is obviously incredibly unfortunate, but um hopefully he doesn't. Um 
I just don't know. There's like there, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of names, there's a lot of mouths to feed in that offense. I think it'll take him a little while to crack through. I think LaFell has equally as bad of hands. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. So I think that will probably be the detriment and you know, you go with the younger upside guy. Um LaFell, one of my least favorites probably yeah. in the NFL. <laughs> I think we've like Scott, we talked about this the night after the first round of the draft. The value that John Ross brings to the fantasy world is less attention on AJ Green and Tyler Eifert. Yeah, I think that his best asset for um, fantasy football is all the players that play in the offense with him. Yep, Andy Dalton becomes a really good option because he's just going to have more room, you know, more room, more guys and... to throw to. Um, but let's move on now to the next quarterback that was drafted, and a lot of people were expecting Deshaun Watson to go, but then the Chiefs came from the top rope, go to pick 10. Swanton dive. And take Patrick Mahomes. Now, Alex Smith is still a starter. I think we still believe fully that he will be the starter. But Chiefs have a tough schedule this year. They are a historically slow starting team. And we know that they are limited by Alex Smith's role as captain checkdown. So I don't know... When I don't know when Mahomes gets a shot. We know that if they traded up that high to get him, he's going to get a shot. I don't know if it's this year. I don't know if it's after the Chiefs get eliminated from the playoffs. I don't know if it's due to Smith's ineffectiveness, but he's going to get a shot. I just don't know if it's right now. So I'm looking at him strictly in dynasty leagues at this point. Yeah, I just want to correct myself from before I said Swanton Dive. The wrestling move is Swanton Bomb. Oh, okay. Thank Sorry you. Well, to... thank goodness, because I'm sure our listeners were fewer Holding their breath yeah. until I, I came back on the mic. <laughs> but I do agree. I mean, it just seems like the Chiefs are trying to do this new-look Chiefs thing while not trying to do the new-look Chiefs thing. Like, they, they, they rid themselves of Jeremy Macklin, open up the budget, they get a new quarterback in the first round, but they're still going to try to do all the things that the chiefs have been doing. And historically that's like a not great strategy. You kind of got to commit to one side or the other, but the chiefs are so weird. They're so themselves that I think they'll be okay. I think that they have a very, very good balance of great veteran players that have done it for a very long time and promising young players that they're actually bringing together pretty well. Like you have a guy like, like Justin Houston and like uh, Tamaha Lee who like kind of keep their um, their culture from the past intact while they still start to add add playmakers like Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. And now with Mahomes, um, it shows that they're transitioning. They're not there. There's not a, a cut over to we were good. Now we're bad and hopeful to be good, which most teams in the NFL kind of go through. It's more of like this transition where they hope um, Mahomes kind of Kaepernick's Alex Smith and and earns his role. Maybe it be through injury. I find it kind of interesting that Mahomes is like he's very comparable to to Kaepernick to me. Like he's got a big arm. He runs fast and like he's willing to scramble and throw on the run. It's it's like eerily Alex Smith's job. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's like eerily similar to that situation. Yeah. Alex Smith's got to be sitting there like really again. Here we go again. But to your point and mine, a lot of the guys that you named. Um, as the culture preservationists of the chiefs were D 
defensive guys. So right. it kind of seems like maybe they're keeping the same story on defense and then retooling the offense. Yeah. And we're going to get to the the running back that they picked up as well today. Yeah, we still got that to go. Let's stick with the first round for now, though. Houston trades back up to get pick 12 to get Deshaun Watson. And I fell in love with that landing spot for Watson immediately. He may not start right away. They do believe in Tom Savage. But I feel like at some point this season, Watson's going to get the reins. And I really think he's going to be a solid two-quarterback league option as your QB2 down the stretch of this season. Could be a guy to really make a difference for you when you need it most. Yeah, it's it's not even unreasonable to think that you could be streaming him in uh, a one-quarterback league. Agreed. Fully. He's got great options. Lamar Miller can catch out of the backfield. DeAndre Hopkins, we all know, can get it done. He just so happened to not last year. And with those pieces of the puzzle, a good defense, he's got the uh, the ingredients. I'm not – I always say this. I'm not anointing him a right. thing yet. Right. But um, I'm not anointing him a thing yet. Right, yeah. Um, I agree with you. I. It just kind of – it seems like the momentum kind of tees up well for him to come in and actually start and, and do well. And I think that he will. I was a huge fan of him at Clemson. Loved watching him come back against Alabama last year, obviously. And just his overall poise and just his general, you know, demeanor throughout those games, I I really fell in love with. And I think that that's the kind of characteristics that make you a good quarterback in the NFL, regardless of fantasy. But once you start to look towards fantasy, um, the guy throws, the guy can make every throw. He's very accurate thrower, not a great deep thrower, but he also will get you those 30 to 40 rushing yards that start to add up, um, as your, as your week goes on. And that's how he starts. I think we all agree. That's kind of how he starts to creep in that potential starter range. Yeah. And I think also worth mentioning, not that they, they didn't play together, but Hopkins and, uh, Watson both went to Clemson. Right. So they've both got Clemson that products. connection. So they were both recruited by the same guy, which means that they're used to playing a certain style of football, which could give them that that early connection that quarterbacks need. That's probably the best way to put it. So moving on now, rock, right? That's at that's at the rock. Yeah, that's the rock. Both Dwayne Johnson, right? (laughs) Anyway, oh my god, Swanton Um, bomb. The next pick was pretty unexpected. The Bucks were actually the team to land OJ Howard, the talented tight end from Alabama. He was underutilized at Alabama. We're not sure what his role is going to be in Tampa Bay, but I have a pretty good feeling about him just because they've already got an established tight end in Cameron Bray. We know how good Mike Evans has been since he came in the league. They just added Deshaun Jackson. I think there's a role that O.J. Howard can play in this offense where he can produce a reasonable fantasy output on a week-to-week basis. Like I think he could get you 40 yards and possibly a touchdown every week. Because it looks like they drafted him high because they want him to be involved in the offense. You look at how high Cameron Brait finished, right? And in the beginning, it wasn't even his job. Austin Safarian Jenkins, I think, even played week one, had a touchdown. They had another guy called Myers, called Myers. His name is Myers. (laughs) Um, He had a couple touchdowns. So there is room for those big-bodied guys, especially in an offense that was used to having Vincent Jackson. You know, So James Winston can definitely play that way. Like we've said before, especially in our tight ends episode, um, it is rare for a rookie tight end to make a big impact. Right. And I was upset draft night as a Cameron Brait truther. Yeah. But I've actually, I think it's a big advantage for Cameron Brait. I know this is the rookies episode, but 
Cameron Bray is being pushed down. He is yeah. being pushed down so badly. And he's only being pushed down in ADP. He's not being oh, yes. he's not being pushed down by the Buccaneers in any stretch they imagine. From everything I've heard, they're going to be running more two tight end sets this year to accommodate both him and Howard. So it's really just the fantasy perspective that thinks his snaps are going to go down. Exactly. And I think it's making Cameron Brait the most affordable tight end option right now for what production I think you can get. And I know this is a very anecdotal story. It literally is an anecdote. But I was watching an interview with Jameis Winston, and he goes, yeah, we've got one of the best wide receivers in the league, Mike Evans, and we've got one of the best tight ends in the league, Cameron Bray. And my heart swelled up with pride. (laughs) That that is nice to hear. Um, That's a great story. <laughs> oh God! It was only a matter of time until one of us made one. Tom, you got you got to see that coming. Uh, a tight end whose name doesn't lend itself at all to puns. The Giants took Evan Engram. They have been a wasteland at tight end since Kevin Boss left, and really they weren't even that great when he was there. Uh, but they get Engram. We know that there's a perception that fantasy tight ends can be troublesome and maybe don't perform as well as other rookie receivers or rookie running backs or, in certain cases, rookie quarterbacks. But Angram's going to have a role, and he's going to be – I think he's going to be another guy to target. We talked about this in the offseason acquisitions episode that Brandon Marshall's going to be a big red zone target. I can see Ingram being another one, you know, and it's just another guy down the middle of the field to take a, a, a attention away from Odell Beckham Jr. as well. So um, I think it's a good piece for the offense, and I think he could return some value – Maybe not as consistently as we think Howard would, but he could be good. And, uh, yeah, speaking of that, um, Sterling Shepard was actually um, very excited about him and Ingram dominating the middle of the field this year with so much action going on on the outside with Marshall and Odell. We'll see how much, you know, you guys saw my air quotes. Quote, unquote, dominating. (laughs) So you see how much I believe that they'll dominate the middle of the field with Marshall and Odell on the outside. But there's hope for Ingram. He was he was the uh, most productive tight end in college football on a per snap basis last year. So the ability is there. Obviously, he played on Ole Miss, so his production um, was strictly through the air, which is kind of what we expect this year as well. Um, which kind of doesn't bode too well for him because he'll be maybe number four option in the pass game. But you know, there could be games where he scores. There could be games where it looks like he doesn't even play down. He's a celebrity tight end, you know? Right. He doesn't block. He doesn't get dirty, that kind of guy. But he ran a faster 40 than Odell Beckham Jr. Mm-hmm. And what have we seen in the last few years but the Giants just letting their rookies do their thing? Yeah. And those are the two points that I can make for him. The major thing is, you know, it's just that rookie tight end fantasy production it's kind of uh, fleeting. It's not really – you're chasing the dragon, so to speak. Right. But if there's one, I think it's actually him, in my opinion. All right. We're going to round out the first round with a pair of players who went to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, first, we're going to talk about David Njoku, the tight end for Miami, another athletic freak similar to Evan Engram. Um, I talked about this in our tight end rankings episode. I think this is a guy who you can draft as your tight end, too, that could end up being a really good PPR value. Because I think whoever ends up winning the QB job, we talked about Brock Osweiler. If he wins the job, he featured CJ Fedorowicz, who I think is a little less athletic than David Njoku. A little bit, maybe. Um, But if Deshaun Kaiser, who we're going to talk about in a second, wins the job, 
we know rookie quarterbacks love to lean on their tight end. Well, especially I've I actually heard a lot of good things about um their relationship, Kaiser and Njoku, in the early work that they've had this year. There's been like actually a pretty good rapport between those two. So if he were to come in, um, it seems like there might not be much drop off if Osweiler starts the season and just peppers him because he is too scared to throw to a receiver again. Um, they could bring in Kaiser, who then has a good relationship with Njoku already. It's tough. Like I'm so tempted by all three of these tight ends. Yeah. But I have to mm-hmm. talk them all down and then, you know, just sprinkle out a morsel of hope. Barnage was great on the Browns that one year. Yep. And then he was bad. You and know? then they cut him when they drafted Njoku. Yeah, but can the Browns I don't know. You know, was that a real was that a real thing that was going on? Or was it Josh McCown? Yeah, it was a Josh McCown, who's a serviceable quarterback, you know? And now you're dealing in a, a bit of a less familiar area. I know he doesn't cost anything, Don, so your tight end two thing is totally viable. But I'm not drafting him. And he probably won't even have to. No. Like, just wait until he has that big blow-up game, and if he got a high waiver, waiver priority, give him a shot. You're right. But, you know, I, I believe in him just because I've seen – his highlights and I've watched a few interviews with him. He seems like he's, a, he's got a good head on his shoulders. I think he can definitely make an impact down the road. Um, another guy who we're not, he's not going to be drafted. We don't even know if he's in the available player pool, unless you're in an IDP league, but he could be a, a, a fun option for you to keep on your team. The Browns also drafted Jabril Peppers right. from Michigan. He was a guy who literally did almost everything while he was at Michigan and the Browns got him, they drafted him. His position was quote unquote safety, but there's been rumblings, right? There's it's, been rumblings that they're going to use him on offense. It's very much like when Patrick Peterson first came into the league, he was doing everything and you couldn't play him in fantasy though. No. And then JJ Watt had like a tight end one year <laughs> yeah. and you couldn't play him in fantasy yeah. either. Yeah. So I was it, so upset about that. Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't know, you can't sneakily play the Browns D and get points from him while he's taking offensive snaps. So right. the fantasy point and the fantasy implication is limited. However, it is cool as hell. It's cool as hell. <laughs> number one. And number two, he's a very he's a favorite to return punts for the Browns. And he's a very good punt returner. The way he sets up blocks, the way he can find lanes. He's not he doesn't have that breakaway speed. But he's got the agility, he's got the quickness, he's shifty, he can get around guys, and that does, to me, add some value along with the sacks that I mentioned from Miles Garrett for the Browns' defense. If they're, if I feel like they have a plus matchup, it might just be because I want them to succeed more than they actually think they will, but I might roll the Browns' defense out at some point this year. They've got to force a punt first to, uh, <laughs> to return one, but I see where you're going with it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Like, you know, maybe they put Jabril Peppers on offense because it's like, wow, uh, he's on defense now. We're still down 28 nothing. So <laughs> maybe you want to try running back, dude, or receiver? Want to mix it up a little bit? You Can know, you it- throw the ball to Njoku for us? <laughs> and and you know he's willing to try it. Um, but we're at the end of the first round. A lot of these guys that, we're, that we just mentioned or that we're about to mention, they're not exactly – you know, going to be immediate week one fantasy impact players. There are a few who have a shot and we'll talk about them, but we're going to move on to round two now. And we're not really going in any particular order. We're just kind of going off of the Google doc that Scott was kind enough to make for us this morning. Um, 
In the second round, we had Zay Jones going to Buffalo. Tom's we know boy. Tom is the probably the president of the Zay Jones fan club outside of Buffalo, New York. So, Tom, do we want to reiterate what you said in the wide receiver specials, or should I just say, go listen to the wide receiver special? I, I, you could just go listen to the Go wide listen receiver. to it again. It was good. <laughs> uh, the only thing that I'll say about him is it's cool that his receivers coach um, now was, I believe, his, his coach in college. His I don't know what coach he was in college. Receivers he was his head coach. coach. Oh, his receivers coach in college. So that's very interesting. And obviously, um, Sammy Watkins has such a rich injury history that if you bring in a rookie receiver, Sammy Watkins goes down. Zay Jones comes in with his receivers coach. It seems like it's going to be schemed to just get this dude open. He literally could be an every week starter. Yeah. But – now you don't even have to go back and listen to the wide receivers episode. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> yes, uh, you do. Another receiver that was taken, Curtis Samuel from Ohio State, goes to Carolina. And he's a very similar receiver to Christian McCaffrey. Now, we know Christian McCaffrey's probably going to get more carries than uh, than Curtis Samuel. But they do. the two of them do fit the same role, which, again, kind of starts to show the culture change of the Panthers' offense. They want to get the ball out of Cam's hands. They want to... Get him away from danger. And so you get a guy like this who can take any pass he catches to the house along with McCaffrey, and all of a sudden the Panthers' offense starts to look a little bit more intriguing for Cam. So I like this guy. I don't think he's going to be an immediate value, but I think patience is running thin in Carolina for Devin Funches and, quite frankly, for Kelvin Benjamin. So I don't think that Patience is running fat. For Kelvin, <laughs> yeah, it's not really thin for him. Nothing's thin for Zinger. him. Zinger, but um, Curtis Samuel actually was a running back, um, listed as a running back throughout his whole entire career at Ohio State, but actually had great production, um, both carrying the ball with 97 carries, 771 yards, and eight touchdowns on the ground last year, and also he actually quietly dominated those McCaffrey numbers that we spoke about. Um, he ended last year with 74 catches, 865 yards, and another seven touchdowns. So he finished with 15 total touchdowns, 1,600 total yards, and about 30 more catches than McCaffrey had in the year that Tom brought up. I like this kid a lot. I think there's a ton of Tyreek Hill-like capability for him to really just blow the top off, whether it's a just a straight go route a quick screen or, you know, just something to get him in the middle of the field. I think that that's what they're going to look to do. I wouldn't be surprised if he got carries. I wouldn't be surprised if he got screens. And I wouldn't be surprised if he caught a lot of passes this year. What I was going to say is I know they lose Ted Ginn, right? And I don't think he is a Ted Ginn. I I think he's more versatile, more dynamic. Mm -hmm. So I almost see him more as like a a Tavon Austin. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where like he might get a carry from literally – Anywhere on the field, they'll put him in motion and yep. jet sweep, whatever, whatever. Works. Line him up in the backfield. I think that there's just a lot of, um, you know, we we always harp on fantasy is where skill meets opportunity, and I think that there's actually a lot of sneaky opportunity for Samuel. He's not going to be drafted. He's not even going to be thought about until he he pops off one week. But I think that it will come. Let's be honest. It's the first time you ever heard of him. Yep. That Tyree Kill <laughs> comparison. I was like, I had it. On my tongue. I was like, here we go. And then you said it. And I was like, perfect. Um, there were a couple of running backs, a couple of important running backs uh, who are being drafted all over the place um, in mock drafts right now. We'll start with Dalvin Cook going to Minnesota. Uh, Scott, you mentioned he had fumbling issues, but he was also extremely productive 
at Florida State, won a national championship with Jameis Winston and Kelvin Benjamin, was a supreme performer after Jameis left. They really turned the keys over to him, and he performed very well. He was a Heisman finalist. Um, the only problem is what we've been saying literally since we started this show. We have no idea what to make of the Minnesota Vikings backfield. Obviously, they drafted him in the second round. He's going to have a role. I just don't know if it's going to be a role that, as a fantasy player, that you can depend on. Something we're definitely going to talk about down the road in these camp episodes that are going to be happening is the health of Latavius Murray. Right. And I think the health of Latavius Murray is going to be a huge influencer of Dalvin Cook's fantasy draft stock. The problem is, is that a lot of people probably don't even know Latavius Murray is battling an injury and Dalvin Cook is still super expensive. Right. So if there's like a more formal announcement that he's going to miss season time, Dalvin Cook is going to be extremely expensive. And I'm not sure that that's, that that's for me. So the only difference between him and all the other rookie running backs that we've seen so highly ranked is the presumption that the other rookie running backs are going to be the lead dogs in their backfield. Um, Dalvin Cook still kind of has that cloud about it where he might not, but every every passing day where Latavius Murray um, doesn't play, doesn't take the field, it seems like uh, Cook's ADP keeps ticking up and up and up. And it's going to, if Latavius Murray doesn't start the year ready to go and they don't have any inclination of when he'll be back or maybe it's in two weeks, he's going to go he's going to go too high up for how bad the Vikings offensive line was last year. Is there a round that say say you were just drafting best available kind of like best available to you and you almost accidentally went 0 RB. I've been there, right? Oh, you've been so there. So then you're taking these sort of bailout running backs. Is he someone you would consider to try to round out the team in somewhat of a desperate fashion? So, yeah, I think that he he would be. Um, but I think that I might lean toward a Murray. It, it all really, honestly, it depends a lot on, on, on Murray's injury. But Murray looks like he's going to have the touchdown potential. And when I'm looking for, if I'm in a zero RB situation where I'm really digging for somebody, I'm going to dig for somebody who's going to score me a touchdown. Where can I steal points right. at the end zone? I think this is a perfect piece of evidence for why you draft in late August because we really don't know what it's going to look like but by this time next month we're going to have seen three preseason games from the Vikings hopefully Murray gets back if he doesn't we're going to see how they're going to use Dalvin Cook or if they're going to use Jarek McKinnon more now that um now that Murray's out so you know this is why you draft in August because and like number one the Vikings backfield um moving on to another guy who's now being who is, much like Fournette and McCaffrey, being severely overdrafted and much like Cook, we don't know if he's actually going to win the role, but he's being drafted like he already has, is Joe Mixon. Now, I think it's important to say what he did while he was at Oklahoma was awful. There's no place for it, and we're hoping that he takes the proper steps to atone for his sins. The Bengals, I think, is actually a pretty good landing spot. They do have some guys who have been character issues in the past, and they have righted the ship. They've also had a Pac-Man Jones for a while. Who Vontaze Perfect. Von- ASU. ASU. <laughs> <laughs> but, you're, but you're not as proud about Brock Osweiler. I just don't get it. Um, but DJ we, Foster got the best yeah, he did. ASU. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Scott and I went to a D3 school, so we literally can never do that, unless someone from the TCNJ program does well. But anyway, um, 
I think we see Mixon having a good role in Dynasty. He might even be the first running back I take in Dynasty because, you know, Hill and Bernard have contract expirations coming up, but they're still there this year. So in redraft leagues, I'm not considering him in that fifth, sixth, seventh round, which is where he's being drafted in Yahoo right now. Sometimes higher. And sometimes Mm -hmm. even higher. Yahoo has him in their top 20 players overall. So that's way too steep for me. But like I said, Dynasty Leagues, this is a guy I'm targeting. Possibly the running back target for me in in Dynasty. I've said it before. You look at the snaps that each team gives to rookies. Like with the Giants, they give a lot of snaps to rookies. The Bengals don't intend to give a lot of snaps to rookies. And by virtue of that, they don't. The only reason I phrase it that way is because if you remember, Jeremy Hill gets his start after Geo gets hurt. And they're both rookies, and they're mm-hmm. uh, coming to fruition seasons. Geo takes it from Ben, Ar- ben Jarvis Green-Ellis, and then the next year, G- uh, Jeremy Hill takes it from Geo. I miss Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis. I don't. Sorry. But what I'm trying to say is that it would take injury to really, really make it a one-man show. We haven't seen Cincinnati be a one-man show. Yeah. And it won't take an effectiveness because they had every right to bench Jeremy Hill in every game except the ones where they played the Browns, and they just never turned it over to Rex Burkhead. And that's probably why he left. Yeah. So I mean, it, you're right. It's probably going to take an injury for, for him to expand his role. Now, to be the bell cow back, which is what you're trying to draft when you're drafting someone, let's say, in the third round. Right. Fourth round. And it's it's just not there yet. It's not there yet. Jeremy Hill is effective on the goal line. His last three seasons have been nine touchdowns, 11 touchdowns, nine touchdowns, and he splits carries. Yeah, right. Um, Another thing, too, to think about, uh, Bengals had a pretty below-average offensive line last year and lost three starters. So um, it's going to be a lot of of change on the whole offense, really, especially with the addition of Ross and Mixon. There's going to be a lot of change on that offensive line, too, trying to bring in a rookie who doesn't maybe necessarily understand the scheme as well. He could have problems with the line. And that type of stuff is how you start to lose carries. Then you cough one up, you fumble one, and the next thing you know, Jeremy the King Hill is starting week two. Yeah, I think that you know, I I don't really. I'll, I'll be frank. I don't really like Mixon. You know what he did was horrible, so that made me not really like him. And that combined with him coming in with all this, you know, kind of questioning, makes me think that a guy like Marvin Lewis, who's been around for seems like forever, is going to stick to his rock steady guys yep. in times of need. Let me say one last thing, and don't take me as a horrible person. But if he was producing in fantasy, I'm going to recommend that you draft him. I'm not taking very much of anyone's personal life into account when I'm doing this. Because whose personal life am I trying to affect? Mine. I'm trying to beat my friends and family and colleagues and all those people in fantasy football with whoever's at my disposal. So, you know, just – yeah. Let's round out the second round here. Um, we had a couple picks that I want to we highlight. Uh, Gerald Everett, uh, the Rams take a tight end. Uh, Adam Shaheen, tight end gets taken by the Bears. Uh, actually, that's put Zach Miller on the roster bubble I was reading uh, yes. over the weekend. So that was a, a really interesting and Sorry, very here. disrespectful thing because Zach Miller was really like their bridge over troubled water for the last couple of years. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster. Fantastic name. Also uh, was taken by the Steelers. Uh, 
with you know with all the targets that they have and with Martavis Bryant coming back, I don't think we're, he's going to be a big factor. So we're not really covering him. And then we did have Deshaun Kaiser taken by the Browns in the second round. He's still got to win the job over Brock Osweiler. And don't forget, the Browns really believe in Cody Kessler for whatever reason. I mean, he was fed to the Sharks last year, and I, I guess he was poised. So I think that you know everybody in Cleveland respects him for that, and they want to give him his fair shake. But I think we all believe that he's going to get a shot this season at some point. Um, so might be something to monitor if you're in a two-quarterback league uh, because you're going to be starved for options by the end of the year. Uh, let's move into the third round now. Uh, not as many guys that we want to highlight. Uh, there was a couple of running backs, number one being uh, Deontay Foreman, uh, who was actually just arrested on weapons and marijuana charges. Um, he goes to Houston. Before the arrest, he was a great story that we were hoping was going to be successful. Um, now the future's a little muddy, and we don't really know what's going on. Um, so it's, it's just like the Ezekiel Elliott situation, which is ongoing. It's just going to be something that you have to monitor if everything checks out. Okay. And he ends up, it ends up not being as big a deal as some people believe it is. He is your absolute must handcuff for Lamar Miller because Lamar Miller has been nicked up basically his entire career. He missed a couple of games last year. He missed, um, a little bit of time, not a ton of time, but a little bit, uh, while he was in Miami. So, you know, you just got to be careful with him. And if, Deontay Foreman doesn't end up getting suspended or whatever. I think he's a guy that you should definitely look at as a handcuff to Lamar Miller. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that his capacity this year for fantasy is as a handcuff. Um, I don't even know, especially now with what happened to him. I don't even know if uh, he'll actually end up being the guy to handcuff because Alfred Blue is actually coming in and been pretty effective for them in some games. So, you know, it's just a guy that we're looking out for. I think that as we kind of move down the rest of our list. A lot of the guys we're looking at are more handcuffed guys besides um, one of the guys who, who I really want to bring up. So I'm just going to do it right now um, is Samaja Pirine. Um, yeah. I think yeah. I mean, that, we can open it up and kind of just go off of guys. I think that uh, as a handcuff, he probably has the best projection to start. I think he's getting drafted way higher than all these other guys, but um Cool. A couple cool things about him. He has the most rushing yards in a game in the history of college football. Hashtag stats. And he put up 30 reps on the bench press. 225. Hashtag 225. That's, that's strong for a running back. That's, it was the strongest running back. Right. Um, and I believe I saw some article that he lifted a, a car recently. And like it was like 1,100 pounds. He like lifted up some car something. Something crazy like that. So this guy is a physical specimen, and um, you know he's going to have to beat out Rob Kelly, who's also a pretty hard worker himself. Just uh, it's just the guy that I'm most interested in as yeah. we move down. He's got path. he's got fresh legs, and Rob Kelly's yards per carry quietly was not very good towards the end of the season. Um, you know that he may end up getting the goal line work. I think that's a, a I, I can see Samaj Piran getting the early down work between the 20s and maybe they bring Rob Kelly in as their battering ram in the red zone to kind of keep Samaj Piran healthy throughout the course of the year. But I do agree, Scott. I think Piran has immense value if he does overtake Kelly for the job because, you know, there's going to be opportunity in that Washington offense. Another guy uh, who was drafted to Kansas City, uh, Kareem Hunt. Uh, we know that Jamal Charles is gone in Kansas City. We know that Spencer Ware has the job, but there was something left to be desired in the in the Chiefs' backfield last year. So if Kareem Hunt can come in there 
and give them a burst, he could run away with the job just like Ware did last year. I think he's a huge runaway with the job candidate. And that happens a lot on that team. So it's not outrageous to think it could happen. The problem is, is a lot of people are kind of calling for that. So he's he's highly uh, – his draft stock is already high. And same with Samaj P. Ryan. So like it's not the most beautiful handcuff situation because you have to draft two high picks to secure up one piece of the backfield. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, like Rob Kelly and Samaj P. Ryan. Like if you want both of them, there's a good chance you're picking them in back-to-back rounds. Yeah, which is tough because you're sacrificing a lot for – the hope that one emerges and that mm-hmm. they don't cannibalize each other. Right. And that's the fear in both of these tandems. But I like Hunt. He actually had, and here's the McCaffrey stat that I said was bad, which it isn't bad about McCaffrey. But uh, Hunt actually had more receptions than McCaffrey in their senior campaigns. Hmm. Pretty cool. And the Chiefs are a dump down game manager offense. You know, someone who can succeed in that realm has a place in that offense. And yep. Spencer Ware has not been the answer. Yeah. A couple more running backs that I just want to touch on because, you know, we're, we're in the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh rounds. Um, but there are some guys that we need to talk about. Jamal Williams was drafted by Green Bay. Ty Montgomery's biggest issue when he took over the running back reps for Green Bay was pass protection. And Jamal Williams was graded as the best pass protecting running back in the draft. So if it gets shaky with Montgomery... Jamal Williams is coming in. Um, Marlon Mack, if you're one of those guys who doesn't draft Frank Gore because you think this is the year that he finally shows his age, Marlon Mack is the running back. Then prove it and draft Marlon Mack because you don't actually believe it. Yeah, Yeah. because you're wrong also. Um, And then another guy who actually looked like he was going to be, you know, possibly an option to run away with with the job, and it looks like he may have already, is Joe Williams out of San Francisco. This is a guy who... Kyle Shanahan stood up and pounded the desk for the Niners to draft. And now all of a sudden there's rumblings that Carlos Hyde is going to be a training camp release. So, so that's I, twofold. First of all, if he gets cut, you got to draft Joe Williams because he's going to be cheap. And second of all, if he gets cut, look out because he could land with a running back needy team and still provide great fantasy value this season. Well, I don't think that if Carlos Hyde gets cut that Joe Williams will be I don't. I don't think he's going to be buried. I think that he'll he'll climb pretty significantly. Um, I don't know how high it's going to be, or but how I think fast. that right. But I mean, if you're if you're believing that Carlos Hyde is going to be a top fifteen running back, then you have to think that Joe Williams, if he's going to assume the same role as as Hyde as you presumed Hyde would, is going to have a good season too. I actually have a a pretty interesting story about him. The reason that Kyle Shanahan had to slam his desk on the table uh, and get him is because the general management questioned his commitment because um, during his, I believe it was his sophomore or junior year in college, his seven-year-old sister died in his arms before the season, really shook him up. He actually took a full year off, came back to Utah, and the team kind of, the 49ers, like, have questions about his desire to play football, his commitment toward toward the game and his craft. And um, I just found that very interesting. Yeah, compare that to a guy who receives a similar complaint in Eddie Lacy. You know, yeah. he just gets fat. Yeah. And this guy, <laughs> you know, takes a, a journey through the human heart. Yeah. Um, another thing, too, uh, don't expect Joe Williams to be that big of a receiver. Um, he did not have very big receiving numbers in college. You can kind of expect that again, and especially with Shanahan, he'll Sean be mixing. Drawn. Sean Drawn, um, 
I don't think Dewan Harris is still there. I that think he, he might cut. be still there. If but... he's still hanging around, he's another pass catching back. Shanahan's going to mix in a lot of guys, but it seems like if Hyde gets the axe, Joe Williams will be the one to get the carries. It's a backfield we'll keep our eyes on for you. Great, great training camp. Keep an eye on yep. backfield. And like we said, we're going to start really hitting heavy and hard with uh, news and notes from training camps starting at with next week episode. But let's wrap this up quickly. There are actually a couple of guys who are drafted from Pittsburgh, not named Juju Smith-Schuster. And yes, I did do this just so I could say his name again. Um, but they got Josh Dobbs. If we know anything about Big Ben, it's that he's almost a virtual lock to miss one or two games during the fantasy season this year. Josh Dobbs is a literal rocket scientist, and he was awesome at Tennessee. So that just keep your eye out for it. If you notice that Ben's looking a little limpy, and you're the kind of you're in a kind of league that has all like free agents always, no waivers, might be a guy that you want to pick up. And if I know Tom as well as I think I do, the second Big Ben goes down. Josh Dobbs will be in his FanDuel lineup. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huge Tennessee fan over here. I want Big Ben to retire. I'm not <laughs> He was going to, remember, at the beginning. I know. Of the year, I, was like, I, I might retire. Well, right, and the cool ben. thing was is the Steelers were actually actively seeking uh, Dobbs out. They were courting him, you know, visits and whatnot, and they got him. So that's really cool. They got their guy and a uh, good fit for my guy as well. A quick Tennessee mention as well is uh, Alvin Kamara, mm-hmm. who is now on the Saints. And you never and he's know. A, he's a pass-catching backfield specialist, but you know that backfield's pretty crowded right now. Over the course of history, he's definitely going to carve out a role. You've always seen Sproles, Cadet, you know, those guys. So, a late-round dynasty guy. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And one more uh, about Pittsburgh. They drafted James Conner, the inspirational story. The guy beats cancer, comes back, had a great senior season at Pittsburgh, and actually gets to stay right where he is. He gets drafted by the Steelers. This dude's got the number two selling jersey in the league, and he's your Le'Veon Bell handcuff. So it's not just that he's an amazing story. He's also going to have some intrigue in fantasy this year just in in terms of ensuring Le'Veon Bell. If you just look at D'Angelo Williams' opportunity over the last few years – as a second string running back and as a fantasy impactor, you know, that is a second string piece of an offense that is worth owning every league there is. Yeah. Um, so that pretty much wraps it up. I, Scott, I think you have one more guy that you want to talk about that we haven't mentioned yet. I'll, uh, and Tom, you you have one as well. Well, yeah, it might be the same. Scott, go first. Um, one of the guys that I, I really liked, the pick that I really liked, was Wayne Gallman yep. um, from Clemson. Uh, great runner. Um, great receiving combo, too. Um, and I just think that uh, the Giants' backfield has been downright horrible recently. And they play in the shotgun a lot. And Wayne Gallman uh, ran in the shotgun his entire career in Clemson. I think it could be an easy transition for him that... If Perkins starts to stumble and has zero touchdowns like he did last year, Gallman could be coming in and, and starting. Absolutely. So my guy is uh, Jake Butt. Now, the big controversy during college bowl season was Fournette and McCaffrey, two guys who were expected to be drafted very high, um, decided not to play in their bowl game. Jake Butt, who had a phenomenal career with Michigan, looked to be another first-round tight end. Could you imagine if there were four yeah. tight ends drafted in the first round? The dude... I think it was as near as he, it was either as near as Achilles blows it out. And they asked him, you know, are you upset that, you know, this happened? Like, would you have sat out if you had known this would have happened? And he's just like, no, 
He's like, I, I wanted to be out here with my guys. I'm a four year senior. I, I, you know, I've bled blue and gold for this program. And I, I just, he ended up in Denver who has a need at tight end. I hope he gets healthy. I hope he does well. And you know, it, it's just a heart pick. I really hope he does well in Denver. Um, but now that we've gotten all like sentimental and mushy, Tom's got a pick that is kind of also just real quick. Uh, Jake, but <laughs> blood blue and maze, not blue oh, and gold sorry. for all the Michigan truthers sorry, out there. Sorry. Um, but Tom's got a guy who, if you're, if you're a guy who struggles with a fantasy team name, we think we might've found your ringer. Well, besides just the team name, let me just go into the hot gossip around this guy. I think this is going to be the last guy we talk about. Yeah, let's let's end with this. All guy, right, so his name is ending. Cooper Cup. So while I give you the stats and the rumors, you can uh, try to come up with what we're going to come up with in a couple seconds. So a Rams source who asked to not be identified said that Cooper Cup is the team's best receiver, better than Robert Woods, who was handed a three or $34 million contract this season over five years. Cup gives us the ability to play him in the slot or outside, which gives Tavon Austin flexibility. It's a good problem to have, according to the team. He was throwing with Jared Goff before the NFL draft and was being courted by a bunch of different teams, much like my boy Dobbs. But he winds up with the Rams and with his friend friend Goff and, uh, you know, match made in heaven, maybe. It's a risky one, right? I mean, we're not all in on Goff. It's a late-round flyer type of guy. It's a late-round flyer. You got the nice story behind it. And uh, I think we got some names we're going to try to throw out here. So I think we're going to go from worst to best. Mine was I had Super Mario on my head, so I would call my team team the Cooper Troopers. Okay. And I was going to say Red Cooper Cup. (laughs) You fill me up. Imagine chanting that as he scores <laughs> while you're drinking one. Mine isn't really more of a team name, more than I think that we've actually come up with his nickname. And uh, I think that um, he'll hear this podcast, obviously. And once he hears <laughs> it, um, he'll like, embrace it. Uh, he's the Moscow Mule. Because <laughs> what do you drink one out of? A Cooper Cup. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. He it's the perfect nickname. Will now be known to you from us as, as the, the Mos- Moscow Mule. And we'll be on Moscow Mule watch all year. If he yeah. scores a touchdown, Moscow Mule will be dropped in the next episode. Oh, we're buying the bar around. <laughs> oh my, yeah, like we, we got to Cooper Cups. Yeah, every single time he scores, we got to like just leave where we are, go out to a bar, the three of us order <laughs> Moscow Mules, drink them responsibly, and we'll probably post it on our Twitter at RutzFF. Um that is going to segue us into the outro of the episode. Um, you can find us on Twitter at RutzFF. I am at Why So Serious. Scott is at WagsFF. Tom is at Hillier, FF, H I L L I E R F F. And I'm going to assume that you can spell Wags. Um, just a quick reminder we have loved getting the reviews on iTunes and the ratings from iTunes. Thank you so much to those of you who have done it. Uh, for those of you who haven't, uh, your homework's late. So please make sure you give us a five-star review on iTunes. Um, And any review that gives us a question, we are going to answer towards the end of August. So we're trying to stockpile as many reviews as we can. Uh, So please make sure that you're doing that. It would really help us out, and we'd really appreciate it. Uh, Gentlemen, any any last thoughts? We're getting closer, guys. Oh, one month away from draft I got to say, Tom, on Twitter, the This Many More Sundays gifts has been perfect. Next week is six. I'm sure you're going to use Jay Cutler, so I can't wait for that. (laughs) I... (laughs) I actually, 
I, I'll uh, let the, you know, mystery stay alive. I think I know okay. what it might be, but go ahead. Okay. I thought for sure you were going to use Elway for number seven, but that Vic play that you found was perfect. So check those out at Ruts FF. Uh, leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. We'll answer any question you have at the end of August. And until we see you next time, keep scoring. Hey, we were born to win.